This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, February 15th, 2013. I'm Caleb Brown. Even the assumptions Congress and the White House use to estimate the debts of the United States are themselves not consistent with reality. And the future fiscal picture for the United States is getting worse by the day. Jagadish Gokhale, senior fellow at the Cato Institute, is author of the new paper, Spending Beyond Our Means, How We Are Bankrupting Future Generations. We began with a discussion about why the White House won't reveal details of its own budget projections. Well, earlier I used to receive very detailed budget projections from the Office of Budget and Management, Office of Management and Budget. But uh, once President Obama assumed office, they cut those numbers off. They wouldn't supply them anymore. Is there any explanation for why that is? No. We've tried several times. A friend of mine in New York law school uh, even uh, submitted a FOIA request for those numbers, but he made no headway. And um, we don't have those numbers. I have therefore turned to using CBO numbers, which are not as detailed. So it's not as accurate an analysis, you might say. Well, in some respects, it's more accurate because I've updated some of the other inputs into my calculations, uh, especially the inputs from the microdata about how various government uh, transfers and taxes are distributed across the population. Those numbers are now updated and I think more detailed. So there's pros and cons with this uh, version of my uh, estimates as of opposed to earlier ones. Now, a lot of people use CBO numbers, it seems, to make contradictory points. And it, it seems some people use CBO numbers to say, look, we're, we're doing very poorly. Other people are somehow managed to use CBO numbers to say things are, are going fine. Right. So it depends on what you're looking at. The CBO reports contain many different numbers about many different things. And I suppose people are picking and choosing what they look at to paint the picture according to their <laughs> preferences or prior conceptions and so on. But I think overall, the picture is pretty dire. I think US, the U.S. fiscal situation is pretty dire. We face massive uh, uh, deficits over the next 10 years. Now, you could say, okay, the deficits are large and they're historically large. Uh, we've never... Uh, had deficits averaging around 6 or 7% of GDP uh, before, but now we're there. But some people might paint a, a rosy picture by saying, oh, last year or for three or four years running, we had deficits over a trillion dollars, and now they're going to be only $800 billion. <laughs> That's supposed to be, well, it's uh, headed in the right direction, but... Turns out even under that CBO report and its own language, uh, we know that that turnaround is not going to be permanent. It's going to be only temporary. Over the course of this decade, as more and more baby boomers enter retirement and start claiming their Social Security and Medicare benefits, deficits are going to turn back up. And so the need to engage in some serious fiscal consolidations in the U.S. budget is uh, this, the time is past due for that to happen, but yet we don't have the political will to actually make it happen. Uh, in fact, uh, it's ironic that we need these fiscal consolidations to happen, and yet in, on Capitol Hill we see policymakers debating how to roll back 
the policies that would result in such consolidations, how to roll back the expiring uh, tax cuts, how to roll back the spending sequester, and so on. And that's been continuing. So uh, policymakers seem to be uh, wanting to roll those policies back to avoid bad economic outcomes in the immediate future. But by accumulating more debt and more deficits in uh, over time, we are driving towards the same and probably even more serious uh, economic calamities in the future. Okay, so what uh, you said you're using CBO numbers. What do these uh, updated numbers from, I, I suppose it was it March 2012 that you, you're, you've updated from, what do we know now that we didn't know at this point last year? Last year, the CBO put out two budget projections, one under baseline policies, meaning policies that were on uh, our government's books at that time, and then an alternative projection whereby uh, some of those policies would be rolled back uh, uh, and avoided uh, in order to avoid those bad economic consequences from increases in taxes or cuts in spending. Um, uh, Last year, the Congressional Budget Office projected that over 10 years, the cumulative deficit would be $2.9 trillion if baseline policies were followed, but that they would be almost $11 trillion, or the increase in the debt would be $11 trillion over 10 years if those four policies were rolled back. These policies are the spending sequester, um, the uh, expiring uh, era tax cuts, uh, the uh, fix to the alternative minimum tax, and the fix to the uh, uh, Medicare doctor's payments. Uh, with three of these policies have now been rolled back as a result of the fiscal cliff deal, except the expiring tax cuts were not rolled back for the highest earners. So the baseline essentially is an, ass- an assumption that highly unpopular policies that became law at some point in the past have credibility to continue on into the future? That's the assumption, that current law will continue into the future at least over the next 10 years. So that that, that screws, assumption, up, screws up all, all the essentially planning because Congress typically, as you say, rolls those back. Right. So there's, there's a difference between current policies and current practices. Current fiscal policy is what's on the books. Current fiscal pol- practice is Congress's behavior relative to what's on the books. If what's on the books is always rolled back just as it's about to go into effect, then what's on the books is really not relevant. And it's the alternative that is the current fiscal practice that's relevant. So you would really put much less weight on the baseline projections and look at CBO's uh, prior thinking uh, about how Congress is going to behave in the future. What numbers do we use if we want to get a sense of current policy or current behavior, rather, uh, going forward, what that gives us in terms of a fiscal picture down the road. Right. So the best way, uh, it's not very accurate necessarily, but the best way to calibrate projections into the future, if you want a very realistic picture, uh, is to look at what Congress has done in the past relative to what has been on the books in the past. Congress has repeatedly Uh, avoided uh, uh, the doc fix, so-called increase in physician physician payments has always been allowed, despite the law saying that those payments must be cut. Congress has always 
rolled back the increasing scope of the AMT uh, that was on the books. So if it's done something repeatedly and gone against what's in the books, it's safe to assume that it'll do so again. And that's basically what the CBO does and what I've done in my estimates about the very long-range estimates of uh, the U.S. fiscal indebtedness. Ten years is not a very long period to really evaluate the fiscal indebtedness of Congress, uh, of our country. Um, we need to look much beyond 10 years because we have programs that are going to be in effect for much more than 10 years. In fact, they're going to be in effect in principle forever. So even looking as far out as 75 years into the future turns out to be insufficient to accurately uh, capture the indebtedness of uh, the federal government. If you go through perpetuity and make these estimates, my calculations suggest uh, the U.S. federal government is uh, in the red uh, to the tune of $91 trillion. Well, that's a massive number, but if you compare it to the present value of the resources we have to from which we'll pay this amount or... Uh, uh, the present value of all future GDP, that amount turns out to be 9% of future GDP. That is, uh, we have to sacrifice 9% of future GDP in terms of either higher taxes or lower benefit payments or lower government expenditures in order to ensure that we uh, close this fiscal gap of $91 trillion. Uh, that number also, the 9% number of GDP also appears to be uh, relatively small. Uh, but in point of fact, we don't ever uh, uh, tax the entire GDP. We tax only, let's say, half of the GDP because payrolls, for example, are about 50% of GDP. Well, that means if you calculate how big that number is relative to a tax base, such as wages, it turns out to be it's about... 19 or 20% of total wages, which means taxes have to go up on wages immediately and permanently by 20%, which is a massive tax increase. And the economy will not be able to sustain such a massive tax increase. So these imbalances in U.S. fiscal policy are really large, and they're growing larger. So the longer we postpone these decisions uh, for fiscal consolidations, the more difficult the task becomes. Jagadish Gokhale is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute and author of the new report, Spending Beyond Our Means, How We Are Bankrupting Future Generations. You can get your copy at cato.org.